Well, it is our great honour and privilege to have Ian McCormack with us again for the third time. And uh, each time uh, Ian has come, he has been an absolute delight, an absolute blessing to our church. He has been travelling the world for almost 40 years sharing his story about what God has done in his life across um, many, many nations around the world. And uh, I know uh, as a C3 family, we absolutely love him. So let's stand to our feet tonight and let's welcome Ian McCormack. There we go. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. That was amazing. I'd like you just to grab the person's hand next to you. That's fine. <laughs> and let's just, just pray. Lord, I thank you that you love us with an everlasting love, that you are a God of miracles. And I pray that your light would shine into people's hearts. The presence of God would just shine in their darkness and the darkness would flee. I pray, Lord, that you'd bring your peace, your amazing love which casts it all fear, and that you'd begin to heal and touch people's bodies, touch their spirit, touch their emotions, Lord, body, soul, and spirit. We pray for complete healing. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless the people that we're um, grabbing hold of right now and those that are watching on the TV. Lord, I pray that you would touch them sovereignly. You would even now invade their space with your incredible Holy Spirit and angelic host. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I feel um, the Lord sp spoke to me out of Luke 14 about the prodigal son. And I do believe that often some of us have gone out on a journey where we've ended up in the pigsty of life. But thank God we've got someone praying for us. I had a mum who kept praying for me. And as we heard tonight, sometimes we need, we need to come back from that journey, sometimes full circle. But we've got a loving, loving father with his arms uh, open wide. And that prodigal son said, Father, I've sinned against God and I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. And there was a party and that child was restored. So I pray that tonight some of you will come back to the Lord and back to the father. His arms are open wide. And he'll do such a miracle in your heart that you... You may be moved to tears. I know when God's love touched me, I hadn't cried for nearly 14 years. I wept like a small child. I thought weeping was a weakness. I'd been taught men don't cry any boys. But when God's love touched me, I couldn't stop crying. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. How many have been forgiven a lot of stuff? We're talking a fair pack of cards there. Some of you have got something to look forward to, haven't you? Um... Scriptures also say in Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you, and you'll have the Lord as an everlasting light. What's so amazing is that when you come to the Lord, His radiance, His presence begins to shine upon you. And um, those who look to Him shall be radiant. So when the radiance of God's light comes upon you, the darkness has to flee. And the work is done on the inside. It's an inner work in the inner man. As the transformation takes inside you, it begins to shine out. So, Lord, change my heart. Lord, come in. I open the doors of my life and let you come in. The living God, El Shaddai Elohim, Yeshua HaMashiach. So I'm going to share my testimony. Um, I've shared it twice today, so it's always hard to do it three times, especially when I see people I saw in the first two services. So <laughs> just bear with me. It takes me a while to get warmed up. Um, I was um, pronounced clinically dead for 15 to 20 minutes. And so this experience is outside the box, but in the past nearly 40 years, I've met perhaps 20,000 people. Some have died from heart attacks, some from drowning, some in war, some from allergic reaction. Um, all different ways and there's often two or three people in every service 
that have had a very similar experience. Um, different aspects of it, and I can see people here that have had that. I could almost point you out. Um, none of us want to come back. Not one of us wants to come back. But what you see will change you forever. It'll change you forever. It has an internal impact. And thank God there is life after death. Thank God eternity is set before us. Uh, many people have different interpretations of what's happened. I'm going to show you how God led me through this. And let's just see what you think. <laughs> okay, my first photograph, I've got a PowerPoint. Um, let's see how we go. That's my dear wife. <laughs> I've been married 30 years. I'm more in love with her than when I first married her. I'm really happy for the kids to go. <laughs> it's just me and my missus. <laughs> love gets better. It's amazing. I mean, it's amazing. We have three beautiful kids, Michael, uh, Lisa, and Sarah, and each one of them are unique and very, very special to my heart. And you love kids no matter what they do. Is that right? Come on. We... You love them, don't you? Sometimes you want to strangle them, but anyhow. <laughs> but you love them no matter what they do. And this is what God the Father's like. He loves us no matter what we do, but he wants to heal us and bring us home. How many parents wish that your kids never did what you did? How many hope your kids actually learned something from you? How many wonder if you know anything? How many been told by your kids you know nothing? <laughs> so I realized I know nothing. <laughs> Google knows everything. But one day, hopefully, they'll come to their senses. <laughs> Next photograph. I have a few tourist pictures of New Zealand. This is the North Island. This is a waterfall near home. Uh, up the Coromandel. Um, Cathedral Cove and this is a waterfall just near where I live in Taronga you can swim at the base of it this is where I live, it's called the Mount or Mount Monganui. next picture we have a few fish in the harbour and a few crates just off the beach I was a very keen surfer and my story revolves around surfing and diving and I took off in 1980 at the age of 24 and began to surf all around the world and I was doing what was called an endless summer Next picture. So I surfed up through all through Australia, Indonesia, Sri Lanka, Mauritius, Reunion, South Africa. I met some of the most amazing people as I travelled, and I was confronted by their spirituality. Um, I was an atheist at the time, um, but I was a free-thinking atheist. And so I began to look and, and talk to them about their different beliefs. Some of them took me to temples in Borobudur. I went up to Kandy and saw the Perahara, where they bring out Buddha's tooth. I was fascinated by that on golden elephants. And then I went to Katragama, a holy Hindu city where only devotees went. So I began to see supernatural things. I was challenged by what people believed. I found people were much stronger in a belief in the third world than they were where I came from. And religion was more for my old, my grandmother and for my mum. They're the only ones still going to church. For my generation, it had become uh, hippies, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, Cheech and Chong, Mullumbimby Madness stuff. Daytura, you know. Some of you have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Anyhow, next photograph. And so I was um, heading home after two years of surfing back for my brother's wedding. I stopped back in an island I'd surfed on the year before, a reunion, and then Mauritius. Next picture. I live with a local Creole fisherman, very good surfers, and most of them are um, Bob Marley, Peter Tosh boys. Don't worry, <laughs> be happy. <laughs> Smoke more hashish, huh? And they pulled enough chillums and bongs with me to feel like we're brothers. So, in those years, we're listening to men at work and cold chisel. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about. ACDC. No. So, here I am. I'm, I'm surfing, I'm diving, um, I'm heading home for my brother's wedding. And next picture, uh, my mates who are living with said, Let's go night diving. I'd done a bunch of night diving with them. So, we used to go out onto the outer reef. Where it drops off 12 to 14,000 feet, and we'd dive along the edge of the outer reef looking at night for crayfish and for crab. Next picture. This is what we get. We'd have that for dinner at about 1 or 2 in the morning. The rest was sold to the tourist hotels. That's how the fishermen lived. This particular night, my life was about to be radically changed. 
as a swam into what the Australians called a marine stinger, a sea wasp, or a box jellyfish. The, Oz, the um, Creole fishermen in French called it envisible, or envisable, invisible one. And they said, this one will kill you. As you know, the tentacles inject a neurotoxin, which is about 100 times more lethal than a cobra. New Zealanders have no clue about them. We get blue bottles and the blubber kind, jellyfish, we don't get these things. Do you get them down this far? It's more north, isn't it? More Fraser Island up north, up, the, up towards Townville. So here I am, I've heard about them, never seen a picture of them, and I swam into thousands of them. The other divers, to them, the water at night was cold because they were being brought up in the tropics. They had full steamers, rubber hoods, rubber booties, and leather gloves. Me, brought up in New Zealand, the water at night was like a warm bath, so I had a long john, a vest, so my forearms and my face were exposed. Unfortunately, that was, a, that was going to prove fatal to me because as I swam into them, I, could, I had to protect my throat from being hit as I got hit by these box jellyfish. The impact would be like sticking a 1,000 um, volts of electricity into your arm or like holding a branding iron and sticking it on your flesh and burning into the flesh. I can't explain the pain, but I, was, I had a fairly high tolerance to pain, but this was out there. Now, I was a lifeguard, I was an instructor in scuba, I watched every Jacques Cousteau program on TV and I'd done veterinary science, so I knew enough of my own physiology to know I was in serious trouble. My arms swelled up like Popeye and the neurotoxin quickly moved into my lymph gland and began constricting my right lung. As I'm standing there on the, uh, up on the reef, in the next photograph, they pulled the boat up next to the reef with a young boy and said, get in here. This one kill you, brother. How many hit? I said, sank on visab. He went, impossible, impossible. Allez, allez, vitamin, cut from a hospital. When you see black Rastafarians turn white, <laughs> and you pull enough cones with them to trust them, Are we on the Sunshine Coast, Noosa? Perhaps I should go further down to Mullumbibby Madness, boys. <laughs> bong on, bong on. That's what it was in those years, mate. I got billabong. <laughs> so here I am. Some of you are so serious, have been in church too long. So here I am, mate. I'm dying. Don't look so innocent. Some of you aren't. <laughs> So here I am dying, and I've got my mates telling me this will kill you. So as they dragged me into the boat, I said, Simon, come with me. He said, Ian, there's no motor. Let the young boy take you to shore. I said to Simon, what can I do for my arm? He said, pee on your arm. I said, what? He said, urinate on your arm. I'd heard vinegar had been used as bush medicine, so I ripped my wetsuit off and peed on my arm. We won't go into detail. And um, hit the shore at Rivianois and collapsed. The young boy somehow carried me on his shoulder, up the beach onto the main road. And then I watched him panic. He could see I was die, dying. And in French, he was going, mon frère, sur la plage, c'est fini. He wanted to go back and rescue them. I said, no, they have wetsuit, uh, ambulance, gendarme, telephone. My French vocab was in petit peu, but I was speaking enough to get his attention. Unfortunately, the child panicked, ran down the beach, jumped in the fishing boat, and left me to die on the, on the side of the road. He was frightened that his brothers would be killed. My French wasn't good enough to explain to them they were safe because they had full suits on. I found later that this poison, if I'd been hit in the throat, would kill me perhaps three or four minutes. Straight to the brain, straight to the heart. Fortunate I'd been hit on the extremity. And that particular night, I'd put Vaseline petroleum jelly over my forearms and face because it was getting eaten by sea lice. How many got bugs that just want to drink blood off you? How many have got that kind of attraction? Mozzies would just go for you. So I put this on to try and help um, perhaps pre pre prevent the sea lice from biting me rather than putting a full suit on. So that must have provided some form of protection, but enough of the poison had got through and I was literally slipping into a coma which would have been certain death. Now, as a diver, I knew this. As a, I knew this was, but the poison was so quick, within minutes, I was slipping into a coma. As my eyes began to shut... I heard a man speak to me to my right. He said, son, if you close your eyes, you'll never awake again. It was so clear I was startled and looked in the direction of the man's voice. To my amazement, there was no one there. I thought, where the heck did he go? As I looked around, I realized I just heard some audible, invisible voice speak to me. Well, in New Zealand, we have special institutions where people hear invisible voices talking to them. 
they have Prozac and a rubber, you know, straitjacket for them. So I'm thinking, well, I'm not a nutter. What the heck was that? I had no idea because I'd never read a Bible and I certainly wasn't a Christian. My sheep hear my voice. Well, see, I was a black sheep. Any black sheep sneaking here? The same. We've got one. No, we've got in the front row, we've got a few. That's a worry. They were past. <laughs> I was thinking, why would Almighty God speak to a complete heathen and pagan like me? Because I realize that he goes looking for the lost sheep, the prodigal son. But you've got to know you're lost to be found. So here I am dying, hearing an audible, audible voice of a person I don't even believe exists, saying, son, if you close your eyes right here, you will die. Isn't that amazing, Grace? I, I fought the poison. It was like someone had slapped me to reality. I stood up fought for help i could see a, a taxi just down the road i staggered towards him he thought i was drunk and 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 i and i said to him can you please save me in the hospital there were two other drivers there they said how much money you you pay me i said well 50 bucks 100 bucks he said well let me see your money i said i don't have it and i thought oh great they walked away then i heard this voice for a second time right behind me say son are you willing to beg for your life I turned around, the man wasn't there. I thought, beg for your life? Well, that's a brilliant idea, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I'm sure these Indians haven't seen white men beg. So I fell to my knees, bowed my head, cupped my hands and begged for my life. Two of them walked away, to my amazement, the third one, without a word, walked over and helped me into his taxi. As we raced off towards the hospital, he said, what's your hotel room, where you live? I said, I don't stay in a hotel. I live in Tamarin Bay with a Creole. Please take me to Catrabon, to the hospital. As he's racing down the road, he said, oh, you live in Tamarin Bay? I said, no, the, I live with a Creole, the fisherman. He said, oh, I'm not taking you any further. I take you to the hotel. He just stops in front of it and tells me to get out. As I try and get out, I realize the poison has now moved to my left leg. I can't get out. He leans over and said, get out. I said, man, my legs are gone. I'm, I'm paralyzed. So he opened the door and pushed me out. As I hit the ground and drove off into the night, I thought, well, I'm not afraid to die. If that's how fellow man treats fellow man, why don't you do yourself a favor and die here? To my incredible um, amazement, a, a guy walked out of the hotel, one of the security guards sees me in a crumpled heap on the ground, and I look up to see one of the fishermen, Danielle, one of my Creole mates. He said, kiss a fair man, what happened to you? He sees my blistered arm, scoops me in his arms, and carries me into the hotel. The Chinese that owned, owned it were playing at Mahjong. They see me carried in and say, oh, you drunk? I said, not drunk, showed them my arm. I said, I've been stung by a sunk envisab jellyfish. Please take me to the hospital or I'll die in front of you. The young Chinese guy stood up, he said, oh, you stupid white boy. How come you put the needle in the armor? Huh? All men take opium with pipe. Why, why you do that? I thought, thank you very much, Dr. Wong. How many think things but don't say it? As he sits down very proud of his diagnosis, my body goes into the death rattles. My whole body begins to shake violently. I watch three men run over and try and hold me down, but I'm throwing them off. As I come out of this terrible death shakes, I turn to the man next to me who thought I was on heroin, and I said, Sir, can you take me in your car at a Mercedes-Benz to the hospital or I'll die in front of you? He looked at his car, put his hand on my shoulder, said, Oh, my car? No, no, cannot take car. How come you're so worried? Don't worry, wait for ambulance for you. Don't worry, flip and be happy, mate. How do you feel like rearranging someone's face? <laughs> well, I thought I'm gonna whack him. Trouble is my right hand was paralyzed from the poison, so I couldn't hit him. So I tried my left hand. I thought, well, I won't give him an uppercut. I'm not a southpaw, but I could grab his shirt, rip him to my forehead and give him a headbutt. You've gone quiet on me. So I'm just about to rearrange his face. And I hear this voice for the third time. Son, if you hit him, the toxin's so close to your heart, the adrenaline rush will kill you. Oh, shoot. Who's this flippin' voice? So I thought if I control my anger, look away, I could get him later. So as I looked away, to my amazement, an ambulance came flying into the car park. The next picture. My friend Danielle had rung the hospital. He grabs him in his arms and carries him into the ambulance. As we're racing towards the hospital, I begin to see like a video clip of this is your life. 
I thought, oh no, this ain't good, mate. And I lay there, I thought, this happens before people snuff it, you know what I mean? And I thought, if I died, what will happen? I thought, well, I, I think there's nothing out there, but I've been wrong before. I was a gambling atheist. Although this is a bit like Russian roulette. I'll soon find out. As I'm lying there contemplating life after death, I suddenly see my mother appear in front of me. Unbeknown to me, on the other side of the world, my mother was the only Christian in the family, and we'd tried to convert her many times. Thank God she never listened to us. And my dear mother appears in front of me on her knees and her hands in this position. Now, I don't know if you love your mum, but this woman had touched me. I had no idea on the other side of the world she had just seen my face. And God had spoken to her and said, your outer son Ian is nearly dead. Pray for him now. And my mother, in her simple faith, fell to her knees and began to pray for me. God supernaturally translates her face and her praying on her knees into an ambulance. How many know that's a miracle? And my mum looks at me and I could see the love in her eyes. She said, son, no matter what you've done wrong, Ian, no matter how far from God you may be, son, if you call out to God from your heart, God will hear you and God will forgive you. I said, forgive me, too late. I'd be an absolute hypocrite turning to God in my dying moments, having denied his existence and lived in such a, such a messed up lifestyle. And as I lay there, I said, uh, Mom, it's too late. My mother said, son, pray, God will forgive you. Call out to him. As I lay there, and I thought, well, which one, Mom? Everyone thinks their God's the right one. How many know everyone thinks their God's the right one? How many know there's a few choices out there? So I lay there. To me, Christianity was the last of the choices. I'd been there and done that. So I'm lying here and, and thinking to myself, well, it couldn't possibly be Christian. God, if you're real, show me your face and I'll pray. As I lay there, suddenly my mother just continued to weep and cry for me. And I'm thinking, well, mum's not God. But mum prays to Jesus. Could mother be right? How many hate it when your mother's right? How many hate it when anyone else is right other than you? Oh, I lay there and I thought, well, my mum's life, does it reflect God? I thought, well, the love that's in her is not of this world. She's what I call a saint. How many have seen people like that? Some of them, you look at their faces and they look young because of the innocence and purity of how they've lived their life. My mum was one of a dying generation. Most people were sick and twisted, man. But this woman was not. I thought, this woman has never compromised. She has followed God. If it's Jesus Christ, I'm in serious trouble, man. I use his name every day. <laughs> I thought, if it turns out to be Almighty God and it's Christianity, I've done a heap of stuff wrong. How many know enough of the Ten Commandments to know you're in trouble? How many got a conscience left? Well, my conscience was pretty burnt out, but I lay there and I said, but God, if you're real, help me to pray. And I thought, well, my mum taught me the Lord's Prayer. Why not I pray that? As I tried to pray, my mind went completely blank. My mother said, Ian, don't pray from your head. Son, pray from your heart. You call out to God from your heart. I thought, mum, my heart's like stone. I'm cynical. I'm unbelieving. You could strike a match on it. I said, but God, if you do exist... I'll feel hypocritical even turning to you. But if you're real, help me to pray. I can't remember this prayer called the Lord's Prayer. Suddenly words appeared in the ambulance. Forgive us our trespasses and sins. I thought, well, that's not the beginning of the prayer, but that's definitely in it. Forgive us our sins. Where would you start? How many have difficulty listing their sin as a dawn? How many got a few things to list? Gosh, you're innocent people, aren't you? So I lay there and I thought, man, I've got a heap of stuff. I said, God, I can't list them all, too many. But if you can forgive me, please forgive me all my sins. The words disappeared. First words came up. Forgive those who have trespassed and sinned against you. I thought, well, I'm not vindictive. I'm not revengeful. I can forgive anyone, God, no matter what they've done to me. As I said that, the face of the Indian taxi driver appeared in front of me. I thought, what is he doing here? And the voice said, will you forgive this man for pushing you out of his taxi tonight and leaving you for dead in front of the hotel? Oh, you must be joking. Up come the Chinese guy. 
The voice said, will you forgive this man for not taking his car tonight and leaving you to die in the hotel? I thought, well, actually, I, uh, forgiveness was not the top of the list. I was going to lay my hands upon them, but not like the priest. Oh, God bless you, my son. So I lay there thinking to myself, who on earth is this voice? I thought, I've heard it all night. He's now associating himself with what my mother calls the Our Father's Prayer. I thought, I've prayed this prayer thousands of times before as a little kitty, before I went to bed. How many have prayed the Lord's Prayer? Your Aussies, come on. But how many have prayed it like a parrot? Our Father, shout in heaven, God bless the cat and dog and nana. I realized that I'd never prayed it from my heart. I'd prayed it in meaningless repetition. Polly want a cracker? I'm now lying here for the first time in my life having to actually forgive real people who had sinned against me. How many know this is where the rubber meets the road? Got anyone on your hit list? I lay there and I thought, well, these are the tip of an iceberg. There's a heap of people I'd love to sort out. I was in touch with my anger before they even knew what that was. (laughs) So as I lay there, I thought to myself, if God could forgive me of all my sins, that would be a miracle. Then surely I could find in my heart the ability to forgive my fellow man for the atrocious things they've done to me. So in my heart, I said, God, I forgive them. I'll never touch them. I'll never lay my hands upon them. I forgive them. Instantly their faces disappeared. Fresh words come up, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought, what does that mean? God's will be done. I thought, so far it's been my will be done on earth and it's got nothing to do with heaven. I did it my way. Remember Frank Sinatra? So I lay there and I thought, well, I've done it my way for a long time. If I'm going to pray this and mean it, I'm going to have to find out what God's doing in heaven and try and live it on earth. How many know that would cramp your lifestyle somewhat? So I said, well, God, I've never humbled myself. I've never given my life to you. I've prayed this prayer before, but never from my heart. I need a miracle. If you can help me through this experience, I will find out who you are. I will find out what you're doing in heaven, and I'll try and live it here on earth the rest of my life. I had no idea that it says those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he actually hears it. Now, no, I had certificates to say as a Christian. How many have got catechisms and confirmations and christening certificates? How many have got those somewhere stashed away? Well, I had all the certificates to say I was a Christian, but I knew I certainly wasn't. I was a complete pagan. And here, the peace of God entered my heart and it hasn't left me in 38 years. Because when you make peace with God through his son Jesus, the prince of peace comes in. Peace, I'll never leave you. Peace will guard your heart throughout eternity. Next minute, the whole Lord's Prayer came. And as I prayed it, I understood it for the first time in my life. As I finished, I thought, I wonder how many men just like me in their dying moments turn to Christ and get saved. I thought, you must be very careful you don't judge people because you don't know who's praying for them and you don't know what they do in their heart before they die. You might have a thousand men wish them dead for good reason. It only takes one praying mother and guess who God's going to listen to? The guys that hate them and wish them ten foot under or the praying mum that loves that child and sees something good in it. I've seen some of the most messed up people I'm in Route 66 in the Maxim Kingsway prison. I've seen two whole wings of men get saved. I thought they were Christians. Turned out that the Lincoln guards couldn't believe it as these men fell to their knees, weeping. Because those who have been forgiven much love much. Some of us are prisoners outside. The guys that are inside, some of them, they really know what's going on. And something touches them. And when the love of God hits them, they're brought down to their knees by the power of love. I lay there in that ambulance dying and realized that Jesus Christ had just come into my life. I thought he's been a curse word most of my life. God. Time slowed down. I said to God, how come everything slowed down on that ambulance? He said, Ian, I'm outside of time. I'm eternal. I'm able to manipulate time. 
because men in their dying moments, I give more grace in those dying moments than their entire life because I want none of them to perish. I want all of them to come to know me. So I realize it's like the matrix. You can dodge the bullet if you call upon the name of Jesus. As I lay there in that ambulance, suddenly the door swung open and I was at the hospital. As they raised me into the hospital, they began to try and take my blood pressure. Two machines, no pulse. The nurse was freaking out. The doctors began to gather around me, soon had no pulse, began to tell me they're going to try and save my life, anti-serum, antitoxin. They said, don't close your eyes, son, or you will die. I told them I'd been stung by five box jellyfish. These men were freaking out. As they began to shove the needles into me, my, my veins would collapse so they couldn't get it to move. And they began to manually massage it. It was rolling off their thumb and forefinger. The old doctor looked at me and said, son, I'm afraid that's all we can do for you. I thought it's not enough. It's going further and further away. As I'm lying there, I thought, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to stay awake all night. How many have been the last man standing? How many drank everyone under the table? You're too young, dear. <laughs> if I was your daddy, you wouldn't be doing that, girl. So anyhow, <laughs> so here I am. I am dying, and I'm thinking, tonight's the night to stay awake all night. But no matter how hard, I couldn't keep my eyes open. So I shut them. How many have done power naps? So I shut my eyes, and as I did, I felt a release. In a second, the machines monitoring my vital signs flatlined. Now, this wasn't just hard dead. The neurotoxin hits the central cortex. T took me out instantly brain dead. How many know there's a difference? You can be hard dead but not brain dead. So I was gone. The doctors didn't bother doing CPR or, or, or electrical shock into the heart because neurotoxin kills the entire brain. So they wheeled me off, unbeknown to me, off to the morgue. In a split second, I feel myself coming out of my body. And to my amazement, how many have seen or heard of people looking down on their dead corpses and they are alive, but their body is dead? Well, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet they shall live. And to my amazement, I was alive out of my body, but my physical body was dead. In seconds, I began to see that I was literally out of that hospital and into complete darkness. The next picture. I thought, what happened? Did I die? And as I looked around, I could see no light. So I thought, well, let's find the light switch. Couldn't find a wall. I looked for my bed. Couldn't find one. As I'm groping around in the darkness, I thought, it's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. So I bring my hand towards my face, and my hand goes straight through it. I thought, where's my chest? My hand goes straight through. I thought, how can you feel your body's here, but it's not? And then I remember granddad who fought in Gallipoli. Many men lost limbs in the war, and many of the men could feel the limb was still there. I thought, my gosh, I could have lost my entire body. I could actually be alive out of it. I then began to hear voices scream, shut up, you deserve to be here, you're in hell. I thought, if this is hell, where's the party? My hell was everything you can't do up here, you can do and get away with it. Trouble is very hard to grab a beer. Some of you are slowly getting it. Can't touch this. And I'm thinking, if this is hell, God has every reason to send me here. But I thought, but I prayed. Something happened to that ambulance. Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. And to my amazement, he was walking with me through the valley of the shadow of death. The Bible says, greater is he within me than he's within the world. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, neither life or death. Jesus had spent three days and three nights in this realm and taken back from Lucifer the power of death. He held the keys of Hades, of hell. So he had the passageway out. Suddenly light pierced into the darkness. As it did, this light enveloped me. My entire body was weightless, and I lifted up into this pure white light. As I've been drawn up, I can see a passageway far above me, a circular tunnel. Jesus said, small and narrow is the way that leads to the kingdom of God. As I moved into this tunnel of light, waves of radiance came up. Comfort, peace, joy, a living emotion, a living light. 
thought that's a, that's a life. It's giving off not only light that looks like laser, it's giving off a living emotion. I wonder if I can see my form in this incredible light. I turned my head to the right. I could see my hand and my fingers. I now knew why it could pass through me. It was no longer in physical form. The scriptures say we'll be changed in a second. Mortality will take an immortality. First the natural body, then the heavenly. First the earthly, then the spiritual. Death, where is your sting? The sting of death isn't cancer. It's not a box jellyfish. The sting of death is sin. But those who have repented of their sins, the Bible says, the blood of Jesus has washed all those sins away. I could see that I was a spiritual being of light. No darkness, no evil. I came out into a, a, a complete radiance full of light, so, so immense I thought I'd come into the formation of the universe, all life and power in the cosmos. As I'm looking at it, I thought, is there someone in there? Or is this just an innate force in the cosmos? As I asked the question, I heard a man speak. As I heard him, he said, Ian, do you wish to return? I realized it was the same person who had spoken to me in the ambulance and on the side of the road. And somehow he knew my name. I thought, return where? I looked back. Dissipating back into this tunnel was darkness into hell into Hades. I thought, is this real? Am I actually talking to a being of light inside that radiance? I said, if I'm dead, I wish to return. I don't know where I am. He said, Ian, if you return, you must see in a new light. I said, are you the true light? He said, Ian, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. Just like I'd seen the Lord's prayer appear in the ambulance, words appeared of light in front of me. Now, I'd study Eastern mysticism. I'd looked at all kinds of New Age teaching. This is the first time I'd ever heard this teaching. I didn't know what 1 John 1, 5 was. I thought it was Roman numerology. But God is light. Taoism and Hinduism had said, no, in the, in the circle of life is yin and yang. Light and darkness are equal and opposite. This teaching here immediately countered that, saying God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. So in one statement, he dealt with Eastern mysticism, reincarnation, because I had believed these kind of things. I looked back and I thought that darkness was completely separate and they called it hell. This light is calling himself God. There is a person in there, not just an innate force. I thought if that's God, they made a dreadful mistake and brought the wrong person. I should crawl back into hell now. As I moved back from the light, waves of radiance pursued me. I thought this surely must be the wrath and the anger and judgment of God. And instead of anger and judgment, pure unconditional love and acceptance began to wash over me. Liquid light, full of love, acceptance, no strings attached, no demands, nothing. And I said, but God, you can't love me. I have cursed you. I've slept around. I've taken a heap of drugs. More and more love came. And then I burst into tears. He said, Ian, when you prayed the Lord's Prayer, I didn't forgive some of your sins in that ambulance. I washed you as white as snow. My precious blood will cleanse your spirit as white as snow. That your sins are scarlet red. And I stood there weeping like a small child and knew now what my grandmother sang. Amazing grace. I found out this guy later was a slave captain. He used to keyhole people. He was a butcherer. And then he got saved and sang Amazing Grace. And I saw this light. I thought, this looks like the glory of God. I said, God, could I come in and see you face to face? As I walked in, this light began to heal my broken heart. I began to weep even more. I'd look for love. I'd ended up with lust and sex and passion. But this love has not left me in 38 years. This love casts at all fear. This love heals the most broken heart. This love is the greatest. Takes all anxiety. And brings a rest inside a man's soul. As I walked in, I thought, what will God look like? To my amazement, standing in front of me stood Christ. But nothing like I'd seen in stained glass windows or icons. I saw him standing there glorified. What struck me that he was a man with, like, like us with his hands outstretched, bare feet. The robes he was wearing was pure white light made up of a garment of light as though he had wrapped himself in this cloud of light. As I looked towards his countenance, 
I saw that the source of all the radiance was coming out of his face. I knew if he spoke, galaxies, constellations will come into existence. I had no idea that Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the Father of one. All things came to existence through him and for him. He spoke and the worlds came to existence. I could see eternity within eternity in his face. It was like I was looking into the cosmos inside the face of Christ. His hair instead of brown was pure white. I had no reference for that, but I found out later the Bible says in Revelations 1, 13 to 18, his hair is white like wool like snow. I'd heard of people being saved into the light and absorbed into nothingness. Well, I saw a person in the light. As I walked towards him, radiance came out of his countenance and I found purity and holiness transmitted into me. How would you like to be pure and holy? Well, I'd lost purity years ago as a young kid, as a teenager. Here, childlike innocence and purity. When I got married and went into my honeymoon, I felt like I'd never had sex before in my entire life. God had done such a work. Before I married, my wife said, you better know how sick I was, dear, before, I, before you say yes. She said, Ian, I trust you more than most men in the church. At least you're honest. <laughs> But God did a work in me. I walked up towards Jesus to see his face and he stepped aside. With his hands, he stepped aside to show me. I thought, what's he going to show me? As he stepped aside, I'm thinking, what what is that? And I could see fields and pastures, crystal clear river, mountains, flowers, blue, blue sky. It was like a totally new earth, untouched. It looked like parts of New Zealand. (laughs) Thought I'd throw that in there, heaven on earth. And as I looked at it, I thought, What on earth is that? I thought heaven was pearly gates, people up there with clouds, white sheets playing harps and having fat little Italian babies firing arrows at you with puffed up cheeks. I'm standing here going, no one told me that there is a river of life, there is a new earth and a new heaven. No one told me that that's the real heavenly realm. And a new Jerusalem, the city of God. I'm standing on the edge of eternity looking in and Jesus comes right back in front of me. He said, Ian, now that you've seen, do you wish to remain here or you wish to return? What would you do? Kwana, waters or heaven? I stood there and I thought, oh my goodness sake, this is home. Do you realize that God's put eternity in the hearts of all men? That we are created to live here. And it'll all become new, new body, new earth, new heavens, new Jerusalem. No more sickness, no more death, no more pain. The temporal sufferings is nothing compared to the glory set before us. I stood in absolute awe. And I said, I don't want to go back. I've got no one to return for. Then I look back one last chance to say goodbye, cruel world. As I look back, directly behind me was my mum. Clear vision. My mum's still alive. She's 87 years of age now, just about 88. She's prayed for me every day of my life. This woman has no idea but she helped save me. I stood there and I thought, there's one woman, if I stepped into glory, would my mother know? I thought she'd have no idea her son became a Christian. She knew my lifestyle. I was embarrassed by it, but she knew it. I thought I must go back and tell her, God, if I go back, I want to tell my mum what she believes in this really city. And if you return, you must see things in a new light from an eternal heavenly perspective. As I look back, my father appeared. My brother and my sister, hundreds of thousands of people. As I'm looking at them, I'm going, who are all these people? He said, son, I want you to go back and tell them what you've seen. Most will not come into a church any longer to hear my name. I said, but God, it's hard enough to love one person. How can you love all of humanity? He said, I want none to perish. Do you realize that Jesus loves the world? I stood there and I said, how do I go back into my body, down that tunnel? He said, tilt your head, open your eye and see. As he spoke... Instantly, I was back in my body on a, on, a, on a slab in a mortuary. Doctors and nurses freaking out as their corpse came alive. Nurses, three of them, ran. The doctor was stuck in time and space as this corpse opens its eye. He drops my foot. I thought he was going to run. He said, you've been dead for 15 to 20 minutes. We've done nothing to bring you back. I then realized that potentially seeing Christ, his same resurrection power had brought me back to life. I said, God, please heal me. I can't feel anything from my neck down. If I've seen you, please do another miracle. I don't want to live on a machine. If I've been dead more than three minutes, I'll never walk again. Healing power like electricity went through my body, and within three or four hours, I was completely healed. 
I'm sorry I'm taking so long. I just sometimes it's, it's just hard to get it all out. I walked out of the hospital. The, the fishermen saw me and ran. They thought I was a ghost come back from the dead. I flew back to New Zealand, and as I'm flying back in, I said, God, what's happened to me? He said, you are a reborn Christian. I said, I've never heard. I've heard of Catholics, Anglicans, Methodists, Presbyterian. What's reborn? Do you have to die or something? He said, you were dead in your sins, son. But when you prayed the Our Father's Prayer from your heart, you were born again of the Spirit of God. I said, what must I do now? He said, read a Bible. I said, I don't have one. He said, your daddy's got one. And within six weeks, I read my father's Bible from Genesis to Revelations. I took my dope, my pound of female heads and burnt it. <laughs> took my booze, tipped it down the drain and detoxed myself. I said, God, what's happened? He said, son, the cross, Jesus died on it for your sins. But when they buried him after three days... When the disciples came, they found that the stone was rolled away. He had already descended into hell for three days. And when he had come back into his body, and what happened? The disciples came in. He's no longer here. He's risen. He ascended into heaven and sits upon the right hand with his arms outstretched, the Father's arms, wishing that none would perish or would come home. I was a prodigal son. My mum took me to church. I wept. I used to sit in the back. I thought it's pointless. I might as well get to the front. Don't have to go so far for the altar. <laughs> I got baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit. Began to attend connect groups. Began to study, study with other people. And I thank God for my mum. And I know you're here because someone's loved you enough. Whether you're watching on TV or whether you're here, your friends prayed for you. They can't repent for you. My mum couldn't. I had to repent. How many know what that is? Repent, turn from your sins. How many here have sinned? We're talking, this might as well find out if we've got any sinners. Some have paralyzed arms. The Bible says all have sinned. But Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood. But Jesus said, if you are forgiven of your sins, you must forgive others. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. So if you can forgive others, God can truly come into your life, heal your broken heart, set you free. And the key is lordship, thy will be done. Those who call on the Lord shall be saved. I'd like you to bow your head. And I'm going to pray the parts of the Lord's prayer that save my soul. And if you can pray with me, I'd like you to pray out loud in church. You're welcome to join me. But if you're wanting to give your heart to Jesus, the key things is repentance and the Lordship of Christ. So please pray out loud these words, Lord Jesus. I humble myself tonight. I turn to the cross where you died for my sins. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, take away my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me as white as snow with your precious blood and as you forgive me of my sins I forgive those who have sinned against me and I surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ your will be done Lord come by your love come by the power of your Holy Spirit and help me to follow you all the days of my life Lord I surrender I give my life to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Can you keep your eyes closed for a moment? If you've prayed that, could you put your right hand on your heart? Because with a heart we believe. And with your left hand, if you're coming back to Jesus or dedicating your life to Christ for the first time, could you lift your left hand to heaven and say, Lord, that's me. From my heart and from my life, I pray. I surrender all. Please help me to walk in the light as you're in the light. Please help me, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Shall we all stand? I've invited the musicians to come to sing this very powerful song, Oh, Come to the Father. His arms are open wide. And in 1982, my girlfriend took me to church. 
and invited to come forward and pray. I'm invited and open this altar up. If you've given your heart to Jesus, if you're coming back to him, I'd like you to come forward and kneel down with me. Just surrender your life to Christ. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. Come. His arms are open wide. Come with a friend if you're afraid. Come with your friend. some of you may find it hard to publicly come forward but if you're a Christian and your friend's there with you I want you to turn to them and say look I'll come with you I'll come and bow down with you so Christians turn to your friend if you're not sure whether they know the Lord grab their hand and say do you want to come forward do you want to come and kneel down and if your friend is kneeling here I want you to come and kneel with them I want you to come up and kneel with your friend your neighbor one of the greatest things is to humble yourself before God. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And I know that. Thank you, girls. I, I did it in 1982. It changed my life. If you can't publicly confess Christ in the church, you won't last five seconds out of it. Jesus was publicly crucified. He took our place. He looks for humility. He looks for open hearts. He loves to forgive. He loves to cleanse and loves to heal. Is there anyone else want to come? Don't miss this chance. I don't know. Don't miss the chance. Come out of the darkness. Come into the light of Christ. If you're at home watching this on TV, just lift your hands to heaven. Without shame, without guilt, let the light of his presence flood you. Those that are kneeling, just lift your hands up. Lift your face towards him. Allow Jesus to wash away all your sins. Allow him to cleanse your heart. Don't be afraid of tears. Let godly sorrow come into your heart. We're going to sing one more time. What a savior.